Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. Joe, I regret to inform you that someone has been in our show document and interposing and changing and moving uh, letters in our yeah. titles, in our, in our section titles. I'm just we making have, sure that you read the outline with me. Yeah, we yeah. have idle options and idle items yeah. and tame, tame moppics. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I don't, I don't understand why someone would, some villain would break into our document <laughs> and do this to us. But uh, they have done it, and so I guess we have to go with it. I was in a weird mood. It was wait, Monday. Wait, wait, are you telling me you're the villain? Oh uh, no, I have no <laughs> idea what we're, who we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did this? So whoever this did this might have been dastardly. in a weird mood, is what you're saying. Yes. Oh, such evil. Well, we need to burn Google Docs to the ground. Yes. Uh, clearly, their security is, is awful. <laughs> what did you want to start with this week? What's on your mind? Well, um, I figured last time we talked about my uh, glasses were on order from Zenny Optical, uh, which oh, yeah. is an online uh, – you go to zennyoptical.com and you enter your prescription. You pick out your glasses and you do a virtual try-on and you upload a picture and this virtual try-on puts them on your head. And So, you know, I was a little trepidatious, but the, the price is really good. And I am pleased to say my glasses have been with me since uh, about two weeks now, a little, little under two weeks because they got – right after we recorded, they arrived, not maybe a couple of days after we recorded last time. So I'm fairly pleased with them. Um, this is the first time I've had uh, a different prescription for computer work and then a distance prescription. And like an old man, I also got bifocals in my distance prescription because I really am starting to have trouble reading with my distance prescription on. And I do a lot of reading when I'm even when I'm not at my computer. So, uh, but I'm very pleased with the uh, with the glasses. Uh, I got the same. I'm, I'm uh, what's the word? Uh, I am not very um, adventurous, and I found a pair of glasses I thought looked good, and I got my my computer glasses and my distance glasses are the same exact frames. So, oh okay. I, what is that? Is they like a black frames? Uh, you know, maybe I can take a picture and uh, let's see. How do you take a picture on the Mac? Uh. What's the name of that application? I always forget because I rarely open FaceTime? it. FaceTime? No, not FaceTime. There's um, something yeah. box. Uh, photo no. booth. Photo booth. That's the one. Uh, so they're not all that different from the glasses I've had or the various pairs I've had over the last several years. Oh, my my hair is kind of a mess. I just got out of the shower <laughs> not that long ago because I've been have running. Have you gotten and, that haircut since, you know, being quarantined and all yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay. Uh, oh, we're counting down. Three, two, one. Ah, there's a picture. All right. Now, what, how do I get this picture out of here? Export. <laughs> this is this is great, great podcasting. This is how we do it live this on the show. This is how everybody tunes into a podcast. They yes, tune yes. in to see the so, pictures um, that I am – or they get the commentary. I'll, on if if I don't feel too badly about this picture, I'll drop it in the uh, the show notes as well. Uh, that way they can see what you're now seeing, which is my glasses. Yeah, that's pretty tolerable. Looks like yeah, you. Pretty tolerable. They're basically the same. I think they're a little taller than my old glasses, um, but they 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 fit well. They work fine. I did minor adjustments to them uh, with some hot hot water, as you do. You stick the ends of the glasses in the hot water and bend them around a little bit so they fit your oh, face right. Oh, I didn't right. know that. That's yeah. the, that's the trick. 
Well, okay. I mean, I've always done that, and and you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer, and you know, obviously, opticians that's what they do is they either use hot air or hot sand, uh, but the way to do it at home is hot water, and you get the plastic warm enough that when you change its shape and you hold it for a second, it kind of stays in place. So brilliant! Uh, I'm gonna have yeah, to remember that trick. But I have uh, a pair yeah. of frames that are not quite right. I'll have to give well, that a try. It, yeah. Uh, that's what I do and that's what I did. And I'm, uh, these are about like any pair of glasses I've ever had from any like legit, like, you know, when you pay two or $300 for glasses, except my order was about a hundred dollars for both pairs. So I was very pleased. So you're using them to read and does it matter? Like, uh, you're using your phone or are you talking about books or is it both? Right. So, um, I I was also wondering, like, what do you do for the television? I, I don't remember if I explained this on the last episode, so I'll try. It. I'll explain it again, and you all compare with me. So, um, I am myopic, um, which most I, I, I think the statistics are seventy percent of glasses wearers in the United States are myopic. The correction is for my, myopia, myopia um, which is nearsightedness. So. Essentially, you can think of it like the eyeball being too long, and then the lens uh, at at full distance focus cannot focus the image correctly on the retina, and so you get a blurred image. You're, oh, the, you're yeah. familiar with cameras, yeah. right? So it's like an mm-hmm. out of focus image. You're focusing on something too close, and so the distance image is blurred out. But yeah, I can so see close. Your, your eyeballs need new sensors. Sure. I can see close up just fine. And in fact, um, because my uh, lens inside my eye doesn't have to work hardly at all to focus on things up close because my eyeball is effectively too long, um, that actually helps with aging. Because as you age, what happens is the lens inside your eye uh, begins to uh, harden and the muscles begin to weaken that focus that that change the focal distance of the lens inside your eye. And so that has started to happen to me. Uh, I cannot focus with my distance prescription prescription on. I cannot focus on things up close very well. And that will gradually get worse over time as happens with every person alive. Um, so uh, what what has happened though is I started to notice, and especially with my new prescription, I start I've started to notice how uh, at the the uh, my my screens are about arms width away. Uh, the screens that I look at every day on my computer, I, I'm reaching my arm out right now. They're about an arms width away. At that distance. I can see it with my distance prescription, but it was causing me headaches, and I, w- I was straining to focus, and if I let my eyes, like if I wasn't straining, then it would go a little bit like blurry. So would you kind of lean in to get closer to the monitor? Well, with my distance prescription on, what you want is further away. Unfortunately, okay. that's just not – It's th- then, you, then you can't see it very well. So, um, But if I take my glasses off, at arms width away, I still need some um, – some correction power <laughs> so yeah. uh because it's a little blurry without my glasses as well because of my uh myopia and astigmatism so what i what we did is uh, and with my, the help of my uh optometrist is uh and, and of course i know as i mentioned last episode i know a little bit about optometry uh we've reduced the power for my reading uh my, my computer glasses by one diopter so there's still some uh some uh Oh, what's the word? Convexness to the lenses that changes the angle of light entering your eyes, but not as much as my full distance prescription. And it's perfect. I don't feel like I'm straining to see the screen and uh, it's all sharp and in focus and everything is great. Um, So we'll see if that changes over time as I age and as my lenses inside my eyes get less able to focus. But um, 
that's that's what that's where I'm at. But the other thing that I did is I did get bifocals. So what bifocals are is uh, they're old man glasses. <laughs> they they at the lower part of the lenses they have an area with a line at the top. I did get lined bifocals and not transition or uh, not transition. Um, no lined bifocals essentially. Uh, tran- progressive lenses. I did not get those. I got the lined bifocals. But uh, so the lower portion of the lens has the same prescription in it that I have in my computer glasses and the upper part of the lens is my distance prescription. And so when I'm reading and I look down to read, I'm looking through that and uh, that works great. So when I'm doing a reading at church, for instance, uh, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the readers that often reads a passage of scripture. When I'm sitting down at the table and reading to my children or I'm sitting on the couch and reading on my iPad, uh, I can use those glasses uh, for both. But it would be annoying to have to tilt my head up, which I just did, and of course I got away from the microphone, tilt my head up and look through the lower portion of the lens at the screens, my computer screens that are, you know, the same height as my head, like the middle of the screens, I like to be right at eye level. And that would be not ergonomic to no. bring back a theme. <laughs> so that's yeah. why I have a separate pair just for working at the computer so that I don't have ergonomic problems with my head and, and stuff like that. And I'm pretty satisfied with this setup. I know it came up last time, but what are your thoughts on sunglasses? Uh, I'm a fan. Um, There are a couple of reasons. Uh, One, those who uh, are myopic and have astigmatism uh, already tend to be a little more sensitive to light, especially with glasses on. And so the second thing is um, that uh, ultraviolet light is not great for your eyes over time. And so if you are exposed, you you do need some sunlight in your life and and you need to be looking at sunlight, you know, to be a healthy person. But a lot of it and too much of it is... um, it 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 can damage your eyes long term and cause more vision problems. So uh, mm-hmm. I do have uh, ultraviolet protected sunglasses uh, clips on that I put on my glasses when I'm out in the sunlight. Uh, most Perfect. of the time, yeah, yeah. I just wondered if you liked the clips idea or if you had prescription sunglasses. Have I, you ever done those? I have. So when I was uh, maybe in my early twenties, I spent the money on what are called transition lenses. And these glasses, <laughs> transition lenses, they sense the sunlight or somehow the chemicals in them react with the sunlight and they get darker and then they uh, get lighter in the, in the, you know, not dark. Yeah. My dad used to have a pair of those. Not I was never very happy with them. They didn't get dark enough and I, <laughs> I didn't feel like most of the time they would get very dark and uh, they would never get fully, fully light. I don't know if that technology has gotten better over time, but I'm much oh. happy. I'm much happier with uh, clip-ons. They're actually, the ones I get, they're from Walmart, and I, I find the ones that best fit my glasses. And I've so far, I've been very successful in getting ones that are pretty much the shape of my glasses anytime I get new glasses. And they kind of have the spring in the middle, and you slide, you slide them out, and then they slide over your glasses. Um, and uh, I keep a pair in each of my cars, my van, my family van, and then my, my car. Uh, and they're just on the dash because most of the time when I want uh, to protect my eyes from sun, I'm driving. And uh, I also do – when I'm out running, I want them and I can just grab them right out of my car when I go out for a run. So that works well for me. Well, glad you got the upgrade. Yes. This is TJ <laughs> Draper like – what are you, 34.9 or something like that? That's the, how, that's how the model number. That is your version I'm, number. I'm 39, almost 40. Yeah, but you don't come out with a new version every year. You got to keep okay, that number okay. down. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just I found I was very glad that uh, I had somebody a couple years ago recommended Zenny Optical to me, and I just never followed up on it. And now that I'm needing two pairs of glasses, I thought, and you know, I'm 
try to be frugal and also live a high fidelity lifestyle, huh? Bringing the, bringing the topic back around. So, um, yeah. they have very good quality glasses and, um, so far I'm very pleased with them. They seem just as high quality as any glasses I've ever had before yeah. and they're much less expensive and they only took about a week to arrive. They, they said it was going to be two weeks and they arrived within a week. So I'm very happy. Fantastic. Well, okay. So then you wanted to tell me about your new or is it a new kind of Logitech? Oh, yeah, no. it, it is. It's newer. Um, it's the Logitech Combo Touch iPad Pro 12.9 inch keyboard case, fifth generation iPad Pro 12.9. Very cool. It's a, so one of the things, and I'm sorry, both of these topics so far are me talking. <laughs> no, it's fine. Good um, topics are good. One of the things that I really have missed about my Surface Pro, you might recall, I don't remember if I've talked about it on the show. I, I, in my wandering years away from Apple trying other things, I had a Surface Pro. <laughs> when you were and on a pilgrimage? I was on a pilgrimage and trying other things. I was, uh, Apple and I, we were seeing other people. So, um, <laughs> Sorry for the joke. So, um, uh, so the Surface Pro has a kickstand built into it. And when the kickstand is closed, you don't notice that it's there. It's built very nicely. It's very sturdy and stable. But when you want to set it down on the table and you want it, you can, it can be at just about any angle and you kick that kickstand out. It's like the full, it's half of the back of the iPad and it swivels out, right? So, so it's, it can stand up and, and go toward to any angle that you need it to be. I found it super nice to sit on my lap or on the table or on the desk next to my laptop. It's really, really, really nice. And it also had a detachable keyboard along with this, uh, you know, the, the, the Surface Pro had the detachable keyboard and you just, it's just sort of magneted into place and, uh, had a keyboard that way. Um, in most cases, I loved that kickstand where it fell short was when I was using it as an actual in my lap device. And then, you know, your the kickstand sort of over your knees and the, it, it just is ergonomically not great. Uh, other other than that, the kickstand was wonderful. So I finally bit the bullet. I don't know how long this has been out. It hasn't been a long time, but I noticed it a few months ago, and I was and, and then I just got really frustrated with the experience of the iPad as is. So this this Logitech Combo Touch iPad Pro keyboard case it mimics that experience. Unfortunately, of course, because it's not built into the iPad, it adds a little bit of bulk, but it's not too bad. And I love this thing. Uh, it also comes with a magnetic detachable keyboard. So it replicates the Surface Pro experience, including the bad part of using it on your lap. Oh. Uh, I don't use the iPad on, well, I go in spurts. So for, you know, in spurts, I'll just, I'll only use the iPad as a consumer device and I'll set it on my lap or on the table, while, you know, or maybe I'm, I am getting a snack after the kids have gone to bed. Uh, a, a healthy snack, of course, is a hi-fi, hi, hi-fi lifestyle. Oh, yes, um, of course. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Um, and, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, you feel guilty? Yes, it, that's what that's what I'm here for. Oh. So anyway, it's really nice for that. And what I always found, and the reason I wanted this, is that the um, key, the keyboard case that Apple makes is great on your lap, but in all of the circumstances, it's a little annoying. You got this thing, this keyboard jutting out, and it's liable to tip backward, and it's it's a mostly frustrating experience, with the one exception where it is better, which is on your lap. Um, and so what I've found is over the last couple of days, I've been working on my iPad in the morning. I've been doing some, uh, some reading and some note taking and some uh, document writing on my iPad. And I will go ahead and slip it out of the Logitech combo, uh, keyboard case and put it back in the, uh, the, um, the Apple keyboard, uh, case. 
And so that's a little bit of an annoying procedure, but it's not horrible. Like I can get it out within, you know, three or four seconds and then slip it into Apple's thing. Well, Um, at least it's nice that it's easy to get it in and out. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little frustrated that Apple wouldn't build something like this in. I, I know it's against Apple's nature. They want a, a smooth, solid slab of a surface, no pun intended. Mm. And um, they sell accessories, but the accessories don't quite meet. And what I really want, what would be ideal and nobody's making, is an accessory with just the kickstand that uses the same magnets and apparatus to attach as it does to the um, – to the uh, keyboard case that Apple makes. That would be ideal. Nobody's making that. Hmm. Um, so I'm a little frustrated, but this is this is as good as I can get right now. And I mostly use it with that case in kickstand mode because I don't use the keyboard on my iPad all that often. Yeah, so. okay. Well, since you were talking about the iPad keyboard, uh, you want to tell me how it compares to the Apple keyboard a little bit more and I'll give you my thoughts as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. So I have used the keyboard. I, I find that I don't use the combo, the, the keyboard part of the combo touch keyboard case that often. It is nice in that if I do, uh, it is sitting right here next to my desk, mm-hmm. and I usually keep it in, if I'm taking the iPad somewhere, I usually keep it in my laptop case. And if I need to quickly type something up, I will pull it out and it snaps right into place, and I'll type it up, and then I can put it away if it's in the way or just leave it, you know? Well, on the Apple Magic Keyboard, it has a pretty good, uh, what do you call, like uh, angle positioning where it's very rigid so when you position the ipad up over the keyboard it's not going to slip and slide uh, collapse if you will and lie flat or fall face forward is it rigid enough that when you angle say the ipad on your lap it'll stay put or is it really does it really need something like a lap desk or a table it would, uh, in order to be really good on the lap, it would need something like a lap desk. Because the problem is, at least for me, maybe somebody with longer legs, I don't know, or longer area between hip and, and knee. Because what what happens to me is I can't position it in a way that it's not that the kickstand is not over my knee. So it's falling over my knee, which is usually a lower point, which causes it to be too far of an angle over. It's a frustrating experience that way. It's not great on the lap. It's fine on a table or on a desk. And there are things that I like better about this keyboard. For instance, it has a function row, which is – I say function row. They're not function keys. They're shortcut keys. So you have play, pause, you know, volume up, volume down, um, brightness up, da- brightness down, keyboard brightness up, keyboard brightness down. You've got a, a specific home button. Uh, and, and the keyboard experience itself feels exactly like Apple's. It's the it's – the, it feels like – I'm, I'm touching I'm, – I'm typing on them both. They both have a great feel. In fact, the, the Logitech actually I'm, – I'm typing on them – at the same time right now the logitech may feel slightly better uh, it has a nice firm crisp feel and not a, not a lot of travel but not not too little you know so it's just it's just exactly like apple's magic keyboard the trackpad actually has more area and i like that about it um i do find every once in a while with the trackpad it mostly behaves like apples but once in a while it's almost like it sensed a scroll that i didn't do or it went way too far with the scroll and i've never noticed that with apple so once in a while it's a little janky nobody does touch pads like apple basically <laughs> um, but this isn't too far from and i don't notice it that often so if I'm, I'm on my desk or on the table there are ways in which i actually prefer this keyboard now what i don't like about it is it positions the ipad further away from you and i know you know john gruber would would not like me very much in terms of how i use my ipad because he's very much against this but i find when i'm using a keyboard with my ipad i reach up and touch the screen as often as not as yeah. you know as often or more than i use the, the touchpad anyway and so 
that's where Apple's keyboard, the Magic Keyboard case, has the advantage is it positions the iPad closer to you. So there are there are things I wish I could combine. And what would be ideal, again, is if somebody made the same magnetic attachment for a kickstand just like this and we ditched the whole keyboard ex- part of the experience. And so you could just easily sl- slip it onto the kickstand or slip it into the Magic Keyboard case and you can have the best of both worlds that way. That would be ideal to me. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting you say that. So I, I'm interested in seeing what Apple will do when they update the Magic Keyboard case because I can see some room for improvement. I, I do like it as if, uh, can we call this a first gen for what we currently use on the iPad sure, Pro models? Sure, it's definitely a first gen, yes. So what I like about it is that it does have a professional look and feel. It has an excellent keyboard for the price in the case, durability, it doesn't feel like a five-star product, but it feels like at least a four. And what I'd like to see differently is, uh, for one, the uh, the uh, maybe a maybe this is a very small niche problem, but I had a what did I have? I had something really hot. I think I forget if it was a flashlight or something, and it fell on my keyboard, and I didn't notice it for a few seconds. And then when I lifted it up, it had actually like li- liquidated and smeared the top surface of the keyboard. And I think it was, uh, oh wow, I think it was like this my is, minus symbol. You know, this my, is just a flashlight. Yeah, it was like a, it was Weird. just hot enough that it, it easily it just make it hot enough, and it was able to huh. wear off the top surface. So it it looks really messed up. That one key does now, and that's not it, a, that's not a cheap keyboard to do that to. No, it wasn't like it was on there for a long time, but it was a hot light. So, I mean, and it wasn't like it was on. It was like it had been on. So mm. odd enough that I, I realized, man, this material is r- really like paper thin in the coating that gives it the dark color to the keys and the symbols. So it, again, how often are people going to be holding something seriously hot over there? iPad Pro Magic Keyboards. So the other thing I would like to have done is to get rid of that sharp seam around the edges because my fingers catch on it just a little bit. It seems kind of, uh, I don't want to say tacky, but out of place because it's just so pointy. And I don't know if I've noticed that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's around the trim and it doesn't really seem to belong there. It reminds me of the first gen iPad cases. Several years ago when they had the first generation iPad case, it had this kind of seam on it and it was different. It was novel and it was going away as soon as I think they came out with their next generation iPad regular folio case. They got rid of that kind of seam and I'm guessing it was because in the long term they realized like this is just not a very likable feel. But it's, um, and, th- and that's one thing about your Logitech Combo Touch iPad Pro, you know, keyboard case that looks attractive is that there's none of these unusual jaggedy seams that protrude. So I like that about that design. Yeah. Yeah. So for right now, I'm, I'm using them both, uh, particularly when, I, again, when I want to be on my lap, um, I'm going to the Apple Magic Keyboard because it's much better for the lap. Um, yeah, I, I, there, there's just frustrations with both of them that mm-hmm. I, I want to. I wish I were able to design and, and build hardware. I believe I could solve these issues, and it's yeah, frustrating yeah, yeah. that nobody is. It would be really super if you could just pose the iPad on the 
on the swiveling neck a little bit more there, Apple. Like, there's just not enough degrees of position. Well, the problem with that is, at least with my 12.9, it's already tippy toward the back. And mm-hmm. like I said, one of the problems with this key- Magic Keyboard case is as a, as a stand is it will tip very quickly toward the back. And that, I've, yeah, there's just there's just some problems there. And the kickstand solves those for normal stand usage. Um, so, uh, anyway... That's that's my those are my thoughts on the current state of things. So if you had to buy one or the other now, knowing what you have from all of your experience, and you just wanted one, which one would you buy? If I just wanted one, oh man, mm. <sighs> probably Apple's keyboard. But I I don't want just one. I want to be able to use it in both modes. Uh, and one one thing I found frustrating about Apple's uh, Magic Keyboard is it wouldn't sit right next to my computer when I wanted to use it on my desk and as a side screen. Whether I'm watching a, I don't, I'm doing mindless work and I want to watch a TV show, or whether I'm using it to extend my computer display, because of the angle of the, you know, because it's sitting up and and because that keyboard is jutting out, it, it sits away from the laptop. And I found that frustrating. Where with the kickstand, you can butt it right up against the screen, and it just it's perfect. Yeah, I really like my Magic Keyboard. I I. I really am tempted to dabble with other keyboards, but I think that I would be drawn to more of the desktop situation keyboards over the iPad first. So mm. I'll, keep, I'll yeah. keep what I currently have, but if I was in the market, I'd be really tempted by this Logitech keyboard case. That's I good. recommend it. It's, it's mm-hmm. very good. And and again, the, the it's a very you can tell that there's some quality to it. I I, I enjoy it. Excellent. So I was curious, TJ, I wanted to talk about this new note-taking app that is fully out of beta now, Obsidian. It's a really popular text editor among some of the, I want to say, the the Apple-centric note-taking aficionados, if yeah. there is such a thing, and the yeah. people that like to dabble with new products and new text editors. This is one of the newest kids on the block. Yeah. Are you familiar with Obsidian? Uh, you've talked about it before, and I've looked at it before. Um, okay. I'm just getting a good look at it. I am not at all interested in this. It does not look like my kind of note-taking app. Yeah. So I remember that uh, several years ago, nobody really paid a lot of mind to note-taking apps. And then it seemed like Google was making inroads with things like Google Docs, and it seemed like it became more and more popular to revisit what a text editor ought to be these days. But then we also had the rise of Markdown, and this was especially popular on the uh, Apple community. So people were using it for web development, or should I say uh, content, and then one thing led to another, and more and more people were attracted to the idea of using Markdown in their personal notes. But the first real success in the Apple community for note-taking was Apple's Notes app, and it doesn't really support true markdown syntax. And, and when you previews. say it doesn't really, it doesn't at all. Yeah, it, it really doesn't want you to. It really wants you to use rich text, and that is uh, you know, great for them. For, great for everybody who wants to use rich, rich text. I just wish that Apple, you know, Markdown is kind of a thing. You know, just make it a toggle somewhere in the menus like the other apps do. As an aside, I, I love Google Docs, um, and, and mostly for the collaboration features, also for the ease of access anywhere in any browser, anywhere you are, you can log in and you can get to it. But the collaboration features make it the only viable option. Like we've, you and I have tried other options, like Apple's own collaboration options with pages and things like that, and there's just no comparison to Google. I wish that there was an, an editor that was just like Google Docs, except none of the rich text stuff, just Markdown. You and I would, would oh, live in this document. Delicious. And it, would be, yeah. it would be delightful. But that's not what we have. So we use Google Docs all the time. I find it interesting you mention it in the same thought 
that you would use for notes app because I do not use Google Docs for notes at all. I use it for uh, long term, like I'm I'm preparing um, some you know talks and things, and I'm I'm using Google Docs for for that. But other uh, for just general note taking, I would not even consider Google Docs because it's not a note organization application. Yeah, I think what I'm really trying to say is that I think that a lot of people continued to try and find a a magic bullet that could handle all of their interest and use cases for text. Hmm. And what happened was Google Docs was so powerful a handful of years ago that people were trying to move all of their writing and all their content creation over to Google Docs. And it seemed like the way of the future was that everything was going to be collaborative. Way of the future. Way of the future. Yeah. <laughs> and it was going to be collaborative. And so, uh, you know, Apple was trying to compete with collaboration, but they failed miserably. And other text editors tried to imitate that. So I saw a wave of the independent developers trying to make apps that were collaborative and they were just not nearly as good as Apple or Google Docs. And I, and I saw that for several years. So there was there was clearly the developer crowd that were interested in making text editors that richly supported Markdown. And they were a little bit too self-limiting. One of my favorites back in the day was called Editorial. Another one was called Byword. Another one was simply called Text and or True Type or something type, maybe it was. And then there was more recent ones like IA Writer, which is still popular. It's a great editor if you want to organize your files as .mds or .txts. And they're sitting wherever you want to put them. So you can put them on Dropbox or you're on your local drive. In iCloud, you know, knock yourself out. And that was one of those moments where we had really like the first really legitimate and likable markdown text editor. And I, I liked IA Writer, but it felt like it was also too self limiting. So you either had these apps that didn't do enough with markdown and file management, were not keeping up with the times to try and compete with what you could potentially do with search alone. Like I don't recommend, again, it's like, I don't recommend using Google docs for your notes, but just the power of like having it everywhere, having it in one place that you could get on any device, you know, the sync is never going to be an issue and it supports better search. And on the fly, you could always share whatever document you were working on with anyone else in the world. Whereas if you had your markdown files, just locally, it was not really shareable so much. So in more recent times, though, was surprised, I think, a lot of the writers and the note takers was that there was this wave of apps like Rome Research and Notion. They came along and they said, we can do so much more inspired by what Google has done and by what you can do with Markdown. Imagine this glorious place where it's all about content creation and all your research and lots of information and keywords and organizing your ideas. And so then there was this popularized idea called the PKM, Personal Knowledge Management System. And it was this idea that if you could really well curate your own knowledge, your favorite knowledge, the knowledge you would want to go back to, TJ, in your own notes, 
You could offload all the things that you needed to remember, but you could not rely on your memory to recall into your note-taking system and then retrieve it any time you were doing research for significant content creation or ideas that you wanted to share or develop. And when you were looking for ways to come up with new content, you could do that in an app like Rome Research or Notion. And now I know a bunch of creative professionals that are using these apps for planning their project management project management project management they're doing this for task management they're doing this with databases and they have all their notes and all these things very searchable and very fluid to hop from one script to some select notes to some gallery of pictures they're collecting to web page articles to back to their notes again and it's all in notion and you know it's it's very cost effective they can get it from anywhere. And so I remember it was uh, a few, uh, like a, a year ago that I was hearing more and more about Rome Research and Notion. And what really disappointed me was that Rome Research was, I just thought, too expensive for what you would get. But on the other hand, a lot of people were highly recommending it. And kind of the same crowd was really impressed with Notion. So the beauty of Notion was that it was more affordable and it was supposedly cross-platform and you could use it from the web browser, from a PC or from a Mac and Android and iOS. So I downloaded Notion and I start learning how to use it and it's really powerful and I'm able to put together all these databases that I'm using for various productions that I have at my day job where I need a bunch of information like where are these URLs? How long is this program? Who wrote this episode of this production? You know, and so there's a lot of writing that could potentially be shared in the future and also just, uh, and curated to make it easier all having all this information in one database, but also having the content that was used for the video project or for the audio production right there. So using Notion, I quickly discovered that it didn't work very well on the iPad or on iOS. And I was finding that other people were saying the same thing on Twitter was not working well for them. It's just navigating the interface was very broken. It doesn't work as well as it does on the Mac. And it seems like that's kind of because it was an Electron app and the developers had not done everything it takes to really make it well-supported on iOS. So the potential was there. It wasn't like the app couldn't run well on iOS and on iPadOS, but they just weren't going the distance because they kept on developing and refining features for their users on desktops and laptops. Uh, Just so we don't get emails, and I want to understand what you were saying, were you saying that you thought the iOS app was an Electron app? I want to say that it felt like an Electron app. I'm not saying it is an Electron app. Um, Because Electron apps are not allowed on iOS. Yeah. What it was, however that thing ran, it it did not feel remotely native. It, It feels very opinionated. Notion runs like Notion. And when it's on a desktop computer, and you know, when I say that, it works on your MacBook Pro the same way. It's great, but you put that on the iPad, and it's just broken. And it didn't look like they had developers that were working on it for mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. So that left me feeling like there's got to be something better than this for my personal notebooks. Uh, my own notes. And so I was kind of stuck in limbo because I wanted good markdown support because I wanted more 
powerful features because I wanted a attractive user interface that was easy on the eyes and just, you know, lent itself to more writing. And people kept on saying, well, there's Rome research and there's Apple's notes <laughs> that doesn't handle markdown. Like it, it's, it's just, no. So I, I was stuck in limbo and we were trying things like, um, there was another writer app. You know, there's actually multitudes of text editors that people try to use for their note taking. Way too many. Yeah. So there've been many, I've tried many. And then the, the one that started showing up and standing out to me was this app called craft. But around the same time I started hearing about this app called obsidian. So craft, I think is approaching it like, what if you could take inspiration from Google Docs, but you made incredible notebooks? And in a Mac-friendly ecosystem, starting with the iPad first, make it very conducive to making incredible docs and notes on your iPad. And then when we know the feature is just the way we want it on the iPad, then we start carrying over those features over to iOS and to the Mac. And it has got incredible polish. Like it is a very nice app and I've been using it now for several months. The only thing is, is that it kind of supports Markdown, but it quickly wants to kind of hide the Markdown and it wants everything to look like rich, te- rich text. So you can, can, you can edit with Markdown, but then what it's going to do is it's going to give you an interpretation of that stuff to look like it's presented in its final state. So that was not my favorite way for the app to potentially work. On the other hand, it has tons of polish. But then on the other hand, it also costs $5 a month, which is not crazy expensive. But when you compare that to something like Apple Notes, which is free, depending on what kind of iCloud membership you have, then, you know, it did seem like for craft to be $5 a month, I really should be using this for professional use cases and I don't need it for work. I just need it for my personal note, note taking. And so it's a, it's an incredible luxury to have craft for my own notes when they don't pitch it as a note taking app. They're kind of trying to get people to understand it as another approach to documents in our day and age. And it just so happens that it also can work very well as a note-taking app, if that's your thing. Kind of the way that we were always using iTunes for music, but podcasts piggybacked on the, on the back of iTunes. <laughs> it was about music, but then you have podcasts thrown in there too, because there was nowhere else for them to go. Craft felt like it was Docs trying to be so much more interesting than Google Docs. And, and potentially go places like that in big ways and shake things up for the Apple community. I could see a future where a lot of the folks using Google Docs but are Apple-centric are far more involved with craft in the future because it's just that it's just that good, TJ. It's really interesting. But then picking backing off of that, you could also use it for your notes. So Obsidian, on the other hand is saying, you know, we're not flashy, but we have some very interesting power user tools. And the objective from the developers was to make it very extensible. So they have their core app, but then they've also been working on plugins that you can turn off and on again from the developers themselves. So there's the core 
user experience of Obsidian, and then you can add to it these plugins. In addition to that, they also made it open up to the community, and now there's all these other developers that are putting together plenty of great plugins as well with unique use cases. So I found it probably around the same time that Federico Vitici of Mac Stories was starting to get a you know get a feel for the app so more I don't know if it was a couple of months ago and I think we both heard about it through CGP Grey originally who was on the beta track and he was using it mainly with his Mac but then he he, he he took a risk and he started using it on iOS and iPad fairly early and he was just super impressed with it and started doing his everyday work on it. And it sounded really tempting. He was also talking about craft at the time and so was other podcasters like Mike Hurley and David Sparks. They were really interested in what craft was doing and what Obsidian was doing. And what has kind of happened is All of us that are first and foremost looking for a note-taking solution, but also want great markdown support, but just give us some new generation of super-duper features on a text deck editor, that fell to Obsidian. So... Uh, for example, if you, it, it, it's hard to describe, but there is a graph view, and it kind of resembles a mind map, but it's all your different note files. So you could use this thing like a mind making, mind making a mind mapping app, but I don't think that's first and foremost what, where it really shines. But the graph is great. It helps you understand connections between all of your docs and the content and what you repeatedly. It helps you make a map of all of your personal knowledge and see the connections between the various files. So anytime you have some topic or selection of text, a subject, a keyword in your note, you can make that link to other notes, other files in your in your database. So, you know, I, I'm, if we were doing notes, TJ, on all the various Apple products, anytime we dropped in a mention about the iPad it could link to a, another note specifically about our, our running thoughts about the iPad. But then if we mentioned something about the influence of the iPod Touch, then that could be a link to another page just about the iPod Touch, which could then link back to some specific reference to the iPhone, which would just be right there out of convenience. It's not like it's impossible to go from one note to another, but because it's right there, and it, it is so fluid and easy to get to in a way that you could never accomplish if you were using notes that don't have that kind of backlinking system. So just having excellent markdown support plus a straightforward backlink system makes Obsidian obscenely useful to a markdown note taker. And it was working great on the Mac before it uh, it doesn't sport cool things very in in my opinion you don't use this thing to embed audio files video files and picture galleries and I know that people are it's able to do that you can embed some HTML and you can show your mind map within the contents of your Obsidian file I don't personally want to go there and do it that way I want it to be just the notes of what content I had to contribute and maybe some links to urls files online uh, articles online but i don't want to put the entire body of a web page right into my obsidian note uh you, you know you can you can do that somewhere else with some some other kind of note but markdown should be a little bit more 
I want to say minimalistic, uh, but m- more like it is a curation of what I have to say goes into Obsidian. And it's the stuff that I want to work on for the long term. So if it's if I'm working on some writing projects for my personal website, or there's something that I want to write that I'm really working on personal, for example, my my personal Bible study. So as I'm working on a deeper topic and I'm collecting my notes and thoughts about a particular subject and what I believe about something like, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things that are unique to uh, Christianity. So, you know, what do you think about the doctrines of grace? You know, you could flesh that out there and you can make a note system where you've made a web of all of your ideas and see the connections in a different and uh, refreshing way that is easier to write with. So I, I don't know what else to say because you haven't given it a spin, but I, I think it's really good now that it's on iOS, iPadOS, and the Mac. It's just uh, it's just that much better. I can give it a two thumbs up. I'm glad it works for you. I am thrilled. So in the last minutes of the show, TJ, do you want to talk about iPadOS and iOS betas? I think we should. Excellent. So... um. I bit the bullet, you know, I said I would never do this. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> but uh so I didn't do it on any production computers. Uh if my iPad is not acting exactly right, the world doesn't end. If my iPhone isn't acting exactly right, the world doesn't end. Mm. If my computer isn't acting exactly right, I can't make money for my family. Hmm. So my computers are still running Big Sur. Um, obviously, my work computer, I'd have to get, you know, I'd have to double check with my manager that I could upgrade to the next version of the operating system. And I know he would say no to a beta. And um, I don't want to anyway. And on my personal computer, which I also do, uh, well, my my not work computer, which I also do like client work on on the side, uh, that is also still running Big Sur. I got really frustrated, Joe, with the iPad experience um, on the previous version of iPadOS. And specifically, I was frustrated that um, I could not I, I did that there was no app library and therefore I could not I could not I like to have one home screen. I have one home screen now on my phone. Wow. Uh, I have one home screen now on my uh, now that I have the iPad OS beta, I have one home screen on my iPad. Uh, there have been some frustrations, uh, but I upgraded to the beta, and there have been some upsides, such as the one home screen. The frustration is every time you upgrade an operating system for iOS and iPadOS, it seems like Apple takes it upon itself to rearrange your home screen and your icons. This became necessary on iPadOS because they removed the lane where the widgets used to be. And then they randomly placed widgets around the home screen, yeah, and then they shuffled all my my icons were not in any kind of order that I had remembered them in. Plus, they they reduced the amount of icons you can have on the home screen. <laughs> I, I, why Apple? Why? Why would you do? There's room. There's so much. There's a room for an icon in between each of my icons. Can I? Can I just? Can we just squish the grid down and let me have just more icon and one more icon on each row? Like that would be fine. <laughs> So that aside, uh, I do enjoy most things about um, iPad OS. Is it 15, the beta? Yeah. iPad OS 15. 
on iPad, specifically multitasking. Uh, everybody's calling it the new multitasking system. It's not new. It's the no. exact same multitasking system with new ways to activate it and new features added to it that prevent you from getting in a situation that you can't get out of. I don't know about you, but I used to find it very difficult once apps are joined together to split them apart. Yeah, uh, It could be very frustrating. And now it's very simple. You just click the three dots and you click full screen and you've separated the apps. In addition, you can do things like when you are in the multitasking view first of all you can see apps that are over in the slide over and bring them full screen when you're multitasking that's fantastic um you can drag apps together to make them split views you can undo split views by dragging them apart uh i just find all of it much better and more intuitive the only real downside uh, well the two downsides are less icons on my screen and um widgets are not not working right really? on iPad OS. Um, so I have uh, I have four widgets on my home screen. I have the weather at the top. I have the battery uh, widget. Then I have a, a Fantastical widget, and then I have the shortcuts widget. And those I keep in the same place where they would have been previously when I had the channel, right? The channel on the right side. Uh, I'm sorry, the left side. Um Every time I restart my iPad now, which has come up once or twice because I'm running a beta, hello, uh, the widgets no longer function, The the specifically the weather widgets and the Fantastical widgets, and in order to get them to work again, I have to remove them and add them back. Not cool, and I'm, I'm staring right hmm. now at widgets that are just, they're kind of grayed out with like blocks where information would go, um, and I'm just unwilling to go through that song and dance right now, so they're just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But I like I, – I think, though, I'm sure they'll fix that before the official release. And other yeah. other than that, I, I think the positives have outweighed the negatives. The only other issue that I've ran into on the iPad is something is up with the Prime Video app. It works, but when you pause the video, it'll blip out and it'll go, like, to the loading screen. And then it'll come back on your pause video. And then it'll go to the loading screen. Then it'll come back on the pause video. This happens over the course of, like, three or four minutes. And then it'll say, error with playback and go back to the uh, list of videos that you were you had clicked from so something's up with that oh and in addition if you try to pause the amazon prime video app with your airpods or powerbeats pro it starts the music player playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so that's not great but you know these are I think bugs it does that the I, same thing on ios too mm, i hadn't why well, I, I rarely watch videos on my iphone so uh, i did upgrade ios to ios 15 beta as well um there's not as many changes there that i've uh, found um so, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm enjoying them both. I'm trying to remember what all is new on the iPhone and I can't really think of anything in particular, except for, I guess the do not disturb features those affect me directly. Oh, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to let you talk in a minute, but you did yeah. do just a whole bunch of talking with obsidian. So, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, the one thing that I found frustrating with, uh, both iPad OS, but mostly with iOS is notifications got worse, not better. Uh, because before when you would get a banner, you could pull down on it and dismiss it. Oh, you can no longer do that with this version of ios you pull down on it and it does nothing unless there's a quick action if there's a quick action it'll go into the quick action mode and you can like for messages but now if when you get a banner and you pull down you you know in ios 14 you could dismiss it by continuing to pull down and now you can't do that 
I still miss Android's notification shade, where I would pull down the notification shade, and I could dismiss any and all notifications immediately by just swiping all the way over, and it's gone. You cannot do that with a banner. You have to pull down the whole notification area, and then swipe, and then hope that you don't accidentally activate the camera because you didn't swipe just right, and instead you swipe the whole screen over. So there are still frustrations there, and I and they made them worse. And I, I have not been able to d- divine how their grouping is any better than before. Yeah, I noticed that the pills of the notifications are also thinner, but I don't know why thinner is better. Uh, does that seem to stand out to you? What do you mean by pills? You know, so an individual note uh, notification is just like uh, not as tall, not as thick. And so sometimes if the notification is longer in text than it has space for inside of its notification widget, <laughs> it, it can actually uh, be cropped off at the bottom because hmm. there was more to the notification that it had space I, for. I haven't noticed that it, one way or the other. I mean, I do think the notifications look better in general, specifically like messages notifications because you get the nice little icon you know, next to That's somebody's. That's very nice, yeah. It is very nice. But, but overall, I feel like notifications got worse. And, and it's frustrating because Apple's still playing catch-up with Android, and they're, they're, they're unwilling to just do what Android does uh, because of corporate pride probably. Yeah, probably. And it's just like, you know, just do what Android does It's because it's a better system. It's a way better system. It's not just a little bit better. It's a lot better. Huh. So that's the one thing I really and truly miss from my Android days is notifications and how much better they were. Yeah, two things I'm pretty happy about. I notice on a regular basis with the beta on iOS is the improved weather app. So I'm getting better forecasts. I'm getting more notifications concerning rain. Yes, same here. I do love that. It looks better. It it lays out better. I want to use this weather app. I've used a lot of other third-party weather apps before because Apple's just felt incomplete and also generic. So I'm much happier with this. It feels like it's actually come into its own. And the other thing I like a lot is the do not disturb features and creating modes. So I have been using these on a daily basis. So I have one for work time mode, you know, work mode, a sleep mode, personal mode, fitness mode. And the one you cannot get rid of is do not disturb the original. Yeah. So I, now that I know that, I actually want to go back and figure out what do I want to do with Do Not Disturb because I don't anticipate actually using the thing. But in the past, there were times when Do Not Disturb would automatically start. And it seems like the focus modes are not entirely sure about when to let something like the sleep mode override the Do Not Disturb mode when it wants to automatically start in the evening or at night when I'm going to bed. And if I go to the office, I want the work mode to start automatically based on location. But sometimes when I'm at work, uh, maybe this is just a beta thing. It kicks itself off of the work mode onto my personal mode. I don't know if I'm doing something that is triggering that because there's several settings. It feels pretty, pretty robust. There's a lot of settings to choose from for the modes. And so maybe I have like one automated thing conflicting with another and I didn't even realize it because I'm using a lot of Siri shortcuts and I'm automatically, I'm automating several things that happen where it's like with one tap, several things happen on my phone. And it's like, did somewhere in there, does it say to turn do not disturb off? And maybe by turning do not disturb off, it's thinking it's got to turn off work mode. I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. It's just kind of complicated, but it's also tons of new potential. So one of the things I love the most about it is how you can have a different home screen for different modes. So I've 
just got apps on my home screen that pertain to anything I would want to use while working out for the gym on the fitness mode. So uh, tap that and it's only bringing up everything to do with my health and exercise. Then when it's work, it's only presenting the apps that I would use at the office and gets rid of all the social media, all the games and things that don't pertain to work and vice versa. So I really am enjoying that. And I'm looking forward to that when it's officially released and we have this, because I don't want to use, I don't want to use any beta concerning Mac OS. I don't have a spare Mac, but when this comes to the whole platform, this is going to be very sweet. Yeah, it's interesting. I am still using it exactly as I was before. I'm not using the new d- d- modes. I'm still only using Do Not Disturb. It automatically activates for me at 11 p.m. and deactivates automatically at 8. Although I, that's just a make sure that it doesn't wake me up. <laughs> you know, yeah. because I wake up before 8 and I will just manually pull it out of Do Not Disturb when the first, you know, when I wake up and, you know, I'm laying there wishing I weren't awake. And then I finally have to reconcile myself with the fact that I'm awake. And so then I turn off Do Not Disturb and start playing my podcasts in the shower and things like that that um i've found that to be sufficient i don't see any reason to change that the only reason i might think about getting into focus modes is for the changing of the home screens but i also don't like that idea because i'm very much a muscle memory a a muscle memory creature of habit i know right where all my apps are and the often when i have taken like rethought my home screen like i really want this app and not this app but muscle memory i will i will touch an icon before i realize that's not the icon i wanted because i've moved it and so I try not to break my home screen layout very often. So I don't know that I'm going to find that that useful, and I have not delved into that at all. And I ha- I didn't touch the settings. I didn't change them. It's behaving exactly as it did before, automatically activating Do Not Disturb at night, and it's totally fine. So um, I'm just going to leave it alone. Yeah, the way it works for me is you're sacrificing the muscle memory, but it, in turn – what you're getting in its place is more like a fresh perspective. So when you get home from work and you've been seeing the work apps on the home screen all day, it, it just helps you focus. Like that's the very objective. It's in the name. And when you get home and all of that is tucked away and automatically folded neatly into the drawers and set aside so that you don't have to see them anymore. And then what you have on the personal mode is everything that you would want to use at home front and center it does break the muscle memory, but it's also like when you see it, to me at least, it was like, oh, thank you. This is just what I wanted to see right now. So this is so so much easier. I don't have to kind of like think about, am I getting sucked into a distracting app when I don't want to be? No, like this is a time when it's okay. If I want to go into Twitter, now's the time to do it. So it's that kind of fresh perspective and helping with the focus mode. The, literally the focus okay is there anything else that we want to talk about or highlight about ios and or ipad os well for anyone that is on the fence i think it's interesting to say that a lot of people are in agreement that the public beta is really stable right now uh <laughs> no guarantees knock on wood but if you wanted to give it a shot maybe do that now before there's another public beta release that is not so stable i don't know what are your thoughts about that yeah i think that ipad os specifically is worth it for the multitasking um if you use your ipad at all and i do use it not you know I, like i said i've been using it in the morning for some various things and i haven't wanted to go and actually be at my computer yet and um, I've, I find it very much worth it for the multitasking. Um, I, I haven't even mentioned the full uh, amount of features that the new multitasking gestures enable, which is, you know, before, if you wanted to enter split view and the thing wasn't in your recently used apps on the dock, 
In fact, I need to disable that because I kind of hate that feature, but I had to have it there so that I could open an app that wasn't in my dock so that it would appear in my recently used apps in the dock so that then I could drag it into split screen mode. It was not great. And now all that is just gone. All that workarounds and trying to figure out how to get apps to be together that, that, you know, do this and that, like that's all gone. And going into everything just feels more natural in terms of multitasking. And, And despite the fact that widgets aren't working quite right, I'm, I'm glad that I upgraded just for the multitasking stuff. Um, nice. And other than that, it feels like the same iPad OS. So um, no, no, no real complaints. Yeah, I there's, there's, agree. I'm, you know, I upgraded to the beta on my phone just because I wanted my iOS devices to be on the beta. I find less compelling about the phone upgrade, um, but it's fine. It's in, in fact, I'd say it's more stable on the phone. I have noticed no issues, no widget issues, no no, nothing like that on the phone. And and I I will say, um, not shockingly, but um, just you know, I'm very happy to say that these are the stablest betas from Apple I've ever seen. Yes. And in a world where Apple hasn't been doing so good with stability, specifically iOS 13 and the horror that was, um, you know, 14 was better, but this feels like this is going to be smooth sailing. I'm very, very happy about that. Yeah, very impressive. Almost tempted to try watch os public beta no i'm not gonna do it not gonna do it i i i it's funny my mac of course is my top tier device and you would think and and in ways they are the iphone is probably my second tier device and i need for it to be stable to some extent but like for my health stuff i want the watch to be super stable because i depend on it i have like a routine i go running all the time with it and i want it to just be stable and working um i actually if we have time for an after show i'll tell you a frustration i'm having with the watch and maybe the beta would fix it i don't know but um mostly it's stable and it does what i want and i don't want to break it okay yeah well is that a good place to wrap it up what do you think though Would, would you recommend it watch os or ios and ipad ipad os and ios hugely Uh, yeah i i this is that time of year when i'm usually torn between do you want to jailbreak the thing to try and out some other features because you're getting (laughs) bored with what the device can do or do you wait for a public beta on this thing and this is kind of fun because this release is not doing dramatic overhauls like it did with big sur for example but it's adding a lot of features that are cross-platform so that there's much more feature parability between macOS, iPadOS, even watchOS getting some of that influence. That's really cool. Yeah, and that's the most exciting thing about these updates to me is that Apple is starting to put their systems in lockstep where it mm-hmm. felt like they had unnaturally separated the systems and it was difficult for them to keep them in lockstep. And now they're starting to glue them back together, and that's very they're very nice. Yeah, yeah, very pleased with that. And the public, this public beta is good. So if you wait too long, and then there's another public beta version that comes out soon that's not so stable, then you might regret that you didn't get on the bandwagon now. Well, that as you said a little bit ago when we should have wrapped it up, that is a good place to wrap it up. If you want to find show notes for this episode, they will be at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 34. You'll find links to the things we talked about. You can get links to go download the betas, links to Obsidian, and, and <laughs> if you want to try that out. Um, I, I use uh, Bear. We never got to talk about that. We skipped that part yes. in our what, what does TJ use, but I'm still using Bear. Still love it. Bear so I'll put is a, a, a link. great app. Yeah, I'll Good put a choice. link for that in the in the show notes. I will drop the picture that of me and my not well taken care of hair today, but the glasses, I'll drop that in the show notes. So those will be there at the link that I mentioned. And, of course, if you have any good podcast app other than Apple's, they'll be in the show notes uh, in the app there for you to look at right there. Joe, why don't you tell us about a podcast that you're on? 
I'm also Hello. on this other podcast called Equinox with Dr. Robert Carter, and we talk about science topics every week. We just recently talked about submarines, technology, innovations, uh, the history of submarines. Very that fascinating. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thank you. And look forward to this week's episode about terraforming various planets. Nice. I believe you're going to talk about terraforming Mars. Does I remember you talking about that? Yep. Terraforming nice. Mars, the moon. I love that. Venus. You're, you, you have my attention, sir. <laughs> yes. This is an interest of mine. Space and, and Mars and uh, the space program and things like that. It is really good. Well, anyway, that's it for us this week. Uh, we hope you'll join us next time. Hey, so do you want to do a quick after show? Yes, please. Uh, tell me about your impressions of purchasing Black Widow, but do not tell me any spoilers. I have not <laughs> seen Black Widow yet. And I do have questions, but hopefully you'll, maybe you'll answer them in your impressions here. Yeah, so this is my impressions of using the Disney Plus app to make the purchase to watch Black Widow's new movie on Disney Plus over the Apple TV. I'm not going to give you any spoilers about the content of the movie whatsoever, but here was just my impression of the 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 situation because dj i don't know what you had heard but i wasn't paying close attention to the movie's release i I knew that it was releasing and i knew it was going to be available both in theaters and via premiere access on disney plus and that's all i know i know literally nothing else okay so i'm not at all surprised with what they've done in the end but i had not been thinking it through when as a disney plus customer a new marvel thing is coming out like loki or the winter soldier and the falcon and loki is so good wandavision oh yeah loki's fantastic well with all this original content coming out on disney plus for the subscribers regular subscription I had heard through various news outlets that Black Widow would also be available on Disney Plus and took for granted that you would get this movie for free. And maybe you wanted to go to the theater because you wanted a cinematic Mm. experience. Well, I knew it wasn't going to be free on Disney Plus, but. And it makes sense in hindsight, but my first impression was oh, wait, I have to buy this thing? And it's three times, no, it's more than three times the regular subscription to Disney Plus. Yes. Wow. Well, when you when you think about it, though, if you're taking a lot of people to the movies, you're better off to do it at home now. Because oh, yes. You're, you're yes. Like, so if I wanted to take all my kids to see Black Widow, which would not be out of the question, you know, with a Marvel movie, uh, suddenly it becomes a real deal when you're talking about spending upwards of 60, 70 bucks at the movie theater. And that's before you buy popcorn. And you have yes. to buy popcorn when you go see a movie at the movie yes. theater. Whereas yes. now, if it's in your home and you feel like you're set up as good enough for your home theater, you can make popcorn for a few cents. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what struck me. You know, we, my wife and I had already planned to watch the Black Widow film Sunday night. So we had had dinner and we were at home and my wife said, I'm going to make the popcorn. So she left the room while I was getting Apple TV turned on and went to the Disney app. And it says it's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. And that was so a little bit of a sticker shock. But then when I thought about what you just said, TJ, I was like, this is really still a bargain, like waiting for a particular show time, but it not being the right ideal show time for our bedtime would be a problem. Then, you know, did we want to buy tickets once so that my wife and I could check out the film and then later buy tickets again if we wanted to take the kids to go see it? Another thing that was a little bit uh, unclear, and forgive me for... (laughs) hoping and dreaming for something that Disney clearly wouldn't want to give me. But I couldn't tell TJ if I was paying for one view 
or if I was paying to now own the Black Widow film. That's, that was questions that I had. I still don't know because the app doesn't say, and it's okay. been 20, it's only Here's, been 24 hours since I watched the film. Right, right. I, I'm going to have more questions because I'm not going to get around to this for until at least the weekend. And one of the questions I have is, can I preview that? Can I buy this premiere access preview the movie and then watch it again with the kids? Cause I want to very good question. <laughs> so right now know. you could watch it. It looks like you could watch it again. I I don't know because the app is unclear. Like I'm guessing they give you a 24 hour window. Do you want me to go and look? Okay. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's let's still see. On so there right now, uh, Disney Plus Premiere Access length of time. See, the app itself was not clear. It, it did, did not clarify any of this stuff. So you pay, you give them your 30 bucks. Presumably, you're going to watch right now. You watch the film. When it's over, you're back to that film's main screen, its description, and you could resume or play again. But I can't tell if that's only for a 24-hour window, a 48-hour window. I don't know. I'm still reading. How do I get Premiere Access? Pretty easy. Watch a Disney, but you do need to be a Disney Plus member first. If you don't have a subscription, then these are either found as okay. um, Boy, still. Okay. Once that's done, you're ready to stream the latest and greatest from Disney. As long as you remain a subscriber, the movie is yours to watch as often as you like. <gasps> so as long as you don't cancel your your Disney Plus subscription, the the title, let's see, you'll be able to buy new Disney Plus Premiere Access releases. These are found <laughs> either on the homepage or by entering the film and naming the search. Well, I'm glad they'll take my money the next time they have another film release. <laughs> right. No, it's per title. But once you have paid Premiere Access for a title, that title is yours so long as you have Disney Plus. Um, it's weird, I, but okay. <laughs> I, wonder, I spent $30 like, on it. If they had told me that was a one-time viewing and done after three, you know 72 hours of a window to watch the film, then I would have understood that. But saying that you only have this film and the right to watch it if you continue your Disney Plus subscription is odd, but okay. Eventually, the film is going to be available to all Disney Plus subscribers. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a three month wait, and I don't know that I'm willing to wait that long. I might be willing to spend, you know, the 20, 30 bucks, or whatever it is. Um, I will put this uh, link to this Tech Radar article in the show notes um, so that people can also read it and, and make sure. I mean, because, but that's, that's what I'm, what I read looks like you have access as long as you, according to Tech Radar, as long as you are a um, Disney Plus subscriber. I'd be interested to know what happens if you let your subscription lapse, but under the same account, you reactivate it later. Yeah, I feel me like too. if you paid the money, you should still have access. Because even you might if you're reactivate not a it just to get back to a film that you previously paid premium for. Yeah, this is this is what I find frustrating because any film that I've bought, and I have bought several because I want to maintain random digital access anywhere in the cloud. Uh, any anything that I've bought in Amazon Prime is always available. So you know, in in my Amazon account, even if I was not a Prime subscriber anymore. So what? Why wouldn't that be the case with Disney Plus? I find that if that's true, that's a little strange. But look, <laughs> the 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 reality of the situation is. 
we're not ever stopping to pay for Disney Plus and anytime soon because <laughs> yeah, uh, they're too, dropping titles that I care very deeply about. And yes. and in addition, there's lots of stuff on there my kids love to watch, and it's really great. So yeah, we, yeah, we've been watching low key now all the way through. My wife and I, and then when we realized it was good, and uh, you know, within reason, we decided to also watch it again with the kids, and they're enjoying it too. Mm-hmm. Really super- impressed with that. It, so it's 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 curious that Loki show would be well enough that we could show it to the, the younger kids, but yeah, it's not so bad. Uh, cool. Um, I was just trying to format something in the show notes. It's really bothering me. There we go. <laughs> Even though this is the <laughs> after show, I want it to be formatted, right? Yay. Uh, I have complaints about Siri speaking messages on the watch. So I've turned on the setting that, uh, that says that uh, to read messages that are sent to me, uh, which is nice while I'm running. I can hear whether a message is important or whether yeah, I can. Yeah, I have that on too. It. I've enjoyed it. Here's the really odd, buggy, frustrating experience that I'm running into. I always use either my PowerBeats Pro, or most often lately, I've been using my AirPods Pro. Oh. And when the message is read, you hear the doo-ding, and then you hear the message read. And so there's two things that are buggy. One is it does not resume playing whatever was playing before when it's done reading. So I have to manually press play. When I do, the AirPods are now out of sync, and they will not get back in sync. They, um, you know, sometimes you'll have the glitch and they'll go kind of wonky out of sync, like one is ahead of the other, just enough that it makes it sound like a a roomy kind of echo. Well, that's happening consistently every time a message is read. And then in order to fix it, you have to, and it doesn't ever fix itself. It's just, it's like that now. And you have to go in and turn off Bluetooth on the watch, wait a few seconds, turn it back on, reconnect your AirPods, and then press play again. That is a very long sequence of things to do while you're running. (sighs) And you're trying, you're trying to pump your arms. Yeah. Oh, she got, you reach there. And you, oh, it is super, super, super frustrating, and I want it to stop. I would be if I if I learned that the beta on WatchOS fixed that, I would upgrade immediately. <laughs> Do you not experience this? Is this not happened to you? No, not yet. Yeah, no, no. It's every time. Every single time. It's not like it happens sometimes. It's every time a message is read, the <laughs> AirPods are now out of sync with each other. And I, wh- how? Why? What the? Hey, caramba. Like, what is I going on? I had that on? problem a few years ago. I don't remember if it was last year's beta. Uh, maybe it was, but I've been using the AirPods Pro, same as you, and using the beta. I, yeah, same version you have. You, you have the iPhone 12. I have the iPhone 12 Pro. I, I don't see why this would mm. well, dislock. And this is specifically with the watch. It doesn't do this with the phone. Um, so, But when I'm with the watch only and I had the, head, the AirPods connected uh, okay. to the watch. That um, is a disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> I don't with, understand what's happening. Six, and I, yeah, you're I using would, the Series 6. It, it especially should be able to handle it. I would pay money to Apple, even though I shouldn't have to. I've already paid nope, money to Apple. Nope. I would pay more money to Apple to make this stop. If I could just say, Apple, here's $100 for this to never happen again, I would pay it. Because it is the most fr- – when you are running and tired and sweaty and trying to your, – your arms and, it, and you're trying to reach over and fiddle with the watch while you're running, you don't want to break your pace. It's super, super frustrating. Apple, I will do anything, anything. It, and it's it's annoying enough because it's like this 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 delayed echo it, you know kind of reverberating in your head and like I have let it go sometimes I'm like I just can't fiddle with this I'm in the middle of a you know thing right now but it gets annoying enough it's like all right I'm gonna have to fix it 
So, oh, wow, <laughs> oh, that's bad. rough. It really is it's bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Anytime First you're doing problems, some podcast or music, you don't want to have to fiddle with the devices. You no. clearly have the motivation to just listen while you do X, and it has yes. nothing to do with looking at the settings. Yeah. Yeah. I've also been using the Safari technology preview. Um, the nice thing about it is it does not replace the actual version of Safari on your Mac because that's tied to your Mac. So I'm it's curious. a separate app called Safari Technology Preview. Where do you get uh, to that? I'm, uh, I, I will put a Safari link in the show preview. notes. Let me find it here. Do, 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 do. Safari Technology Preview. Here it is. It's developer.apple.com slash Safari slash technology preview. And I'm putting that in the show notes right now. And uh, that'll let you download it. The uh, You get all the features except, it says, on Big Sur, um, tab groups are not implemented yet. Except Which is one groups. of the big things that I wanted. So now I have the downsides of Safari Technology Preview, but not the upsides. Uh, the tabs aren't as bad as I feared, and they relented, and they're allowing you, at least on this version, to put uh, toolbar items back in the toolbar, such as uh, I have a... Uh, add-on for um todoist that lets me directly add a task that a website straight to todoist and that's i like having that in the toolbar up there i like having the extra vertical space but i really hate the tabs jumping around as you Hmm. click them or switch them and i still find it difficult to tell my brain has not um there's not a good indication that it's active except that it's wider but to my brain that is not an indication that a tab is active at least not yet and so i'm constantly clicking on a tab that is already active which activates the url area and bring, brings the drop down down and it's like no go away do not want so hmm. uh yeah i'm i'm using it and living with it and letting it gel and there's there's problems that i think apple needs to revisit okay I'll be interested in poking around with this. I didn't realize – it hadn't occurred to me that you could get the technology preview. Yeah. Cool. So I will say – and that, that yeah. So I will say um, there have been a lot of complaints by Marco Arment specifically about a Safari for iOS 15 uh, on the iPhone. I actually like it quite a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, it, I like having it down on the bottom, and especially because you can swipe between the tabs just without going into t- the tab view, which is really, really nice. The one thing that I do agree that is a little weird and frustrating is when you click in the URL bar, it jumps to the top. Like, why can't it just stay right on top of the keyboard? I, I find that a little too jumpy. Like, what what is going on there? Why does it have to be up there? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think it's a make or break deal, but no. it would make more sense if it would it would kind of um, float together with the keyboard because then it's still within thumb's reach. Yeah. Yeah. And so Safari on the iPad is pretty much like, it's a lot like the tabs are like Safari on the Mac pretty much for Safari technology preview, but I don't find it as jarring. I still wish the UI wouldn't jump around as much as it does, but um, I think muscle memory is a little less of a thing with touch devices. It's still a thing. And it still needs to be honored, and I think they could do better. But it's not as big a deal to me. I'm still not a fan of the expanding and contracting tab sizes. I think that's an anti-pattern. But overall, it's I can live with it. Okay, I'm just opening it right now. I've got the Apple tab open and the Twitter tab open. Nice. It's too bad you can't get the uh, tab groups on this. Hmm. I think it'll come because the language just indicates ah. it's just not been implemented yet on Big Sur. Um, so I think that they, I think that they will bring it. Um, okay, cool. 
Well, thanks. I'll poke around with this. Anyone else who wants to get it, it's uh, right there in the show notes. One other thing. This is perfectly appropriate for the after show since it's very, very nerdy. Um, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is coming back to theaters for its 35th anniversary. Completely remastered, uh, you know, re-scanned from the original film negatives. And uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, If you want to go get your tickets, it's on Thursday, August 19th and Sunday, August 22nd in participating theaters. So I'll put that in the show notes. So, TJ, do you say that I should uh, I should watch it now? I don't think I've ever seen Star Trek Four. Really, the one with the whales? You've never yeah. seen? Yeah, come on! Everybody knows that one. <laughs> they know about it because it's easy to mock. Everybody mocks what? it. What? No, everybody loves this movie. This is this is the most beloved Star Trek movie. Wait, what? The whales? Yes. I thought that that Absolutely. was the Wrath of Khan. No, okay, so Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan is considered the best Star Trek movie, but Star Trek Four is the most well known and most beloved. Wild. Um, okay. I would say, yes, if you've never seen it, absolutely go see it in theaters. If I were you, because it's – so it's the third in what is considered an accidental trilogy. Um, the events of Star Trek II happen. The events of Star Trek Three take place immediately after, and the events of Star Trek Four take place immediately after that. So if I were you, I would huh. watch Star Trek Two and then Star Trek Three like a few days before or a day before, whatever you want to do, and then go to the theater and watch this in its beautifully remastered state on the big screen. It is a fantastic film. It's not my favorite, but it's a fantastic film. I love it a lot. Interesting. Huh. I cannot the kids believe you like haven't to watch seen it. it. With me. I, I just, I, I, I watched part three and it, at the time it was kind of like, okay, the, I see the point, but it wasn't as good as two. And then when I heard what the whales story was about, a couple of people said, oh yeah, it's about whales. Like, <laughs> that's oh, not a Star no. Trek story. Yeah, no, it's really good. And it is a to- it's a very Star Trek story. All right, cool. Anyway. I this leads me to something that I wanted to ask you about, which is um, I've had this idea floating around in my head of just getting back to our roots a little bit. You and I, as podcasters, we used to talk about films and TV and things. Um, and I wondered if uh, not, we don't have to do it all the time, but if you wanted to take like and say, designate a movie or a season or certain episodes of a season of a TV show and talk about them in the after show sometimes. Yeah, sign me up. Uh, we've talked about a couple of TV shows before, but that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. We had the time for it. Wait, maybe we can talk between now and next week and maybe we don't have to do it next week, but maybe, you know, we can just figure out what we want to do. Cool. Yeah. If you, if you did choose to check out the black widow film, that'd be a good one to talk about. And we could talk yeah. about how it relates to what Marvel's what. up to these days. I will commit to watching black widow between now and the next episode. And we'll talk about it in the next episode. Let me make sure nothing is sneaking up on me because sometimes something's on my account. like, Oh, I can't actually record the next episode, but let me double check. Today nice. is the 12th. The next episode, excuse me. Next episode is the 26th. Yeah. I'm, that's, that works out for me. Uh, yeah, I will commit to watching the uh, Black Widow uh, before the next episode, and we'll talk about it then. Excellent. 